you have a new FTP score, but what comes next? Congratulations, you've just been onto Zwift for the first few times and it's flagged up. Congratulations, you have a new FTP score. Brilliant, fantastic, well done. But in this podcast today, I want to talk about what happens next. You have a few choices as far as I can see, and I want to discuss that today because it's it's important. What you do now is more important than what you've just achieved. Now, don't get me wrong, getting yourself onto a turbo trainer, getting yourself onto Swift is a really, really good positive fitness move. But it's very easy to get carried away with that FTP score. So in this podcast, I want to talk about what actually is that FTP so you get a really good understanding of it before you make the two choices that lay in front of you. And those two choices are, do you want to use that score as a measure of your fitness and therefore yourself and aim to improve it? Or do you want to use that FTP score as a tool to then train more intelligently to ultimately go faster, more sustainably? I suspect that the uh, the answer is the latter, but we're going to cover how you might train for both situations. Some of it will be humorous. Some of it will be very uh, informative. Let's go along for the ride. Now, first of all, what is that FTP? If you're familiar with the terminology, skip forward a couple of minutes. If you're not, it's really important that we understand exactly what FTP actually is. So functional threshold power. Now, just taking the last two, the threshold power is the important bit. So this is the point where your body is now accumulating lactate faster than the rate it can be processed. If you keep doing that, ultimately you get to the point where you get exhausted and you and you stop. The functional element comes in because cycling is an endurance sport. Most of our sports, road racing, mountain bike racing, cross racing, is at least an hour long, if if not longer in duration. So by putting a time on it, makes it more functional for the sport that we do. Ultimately, they're very similar. Now, before Joel Friel came along, who wrote the book about all of this, and I definitely recommend doing a bit of reading on it, um, we used to do this with blood lactate reading. So you'd come along and you'd do a, a ramp test, probably with a VO2 mask on as well, and you would have someone either prick your ear or pick your fingers and take blood lactate readings at several points during that ramp test. And you would try and draw a curve of those figures to ascertain at what point that accumulation of lactate became unsustainable. What Joel Friel did was saying from a power meter reading that we can now fairly accurately uh, assume what your functional threshold power is based on a 20 minute best effort steady state and we take 95 percent of that and he did and excuse me he did all the science and said yes actually for the majority of the population their functional threshold power can be determined by doing a 20 minute test take 95 percent of the average power and that's pretty much bang on in our experience as a studio the more people that we have seen, the more people we experience going beyond that normal model. Now, when we first opened and we were generally getting fairly fit athletes, most people fit inside that model. As the availability of turbo trainers, uh, things like Zwift have really opened things up, we're getting people with much 
more mixed fitness backgrounds and therefore that fitness model doesn't necessarily suit every single person that comes through our door anymore which is why we go back to vo2 testing and lactate and muscle oxygen testing to really make sure that we're getting the right starting point for people now so this ftp score that you've got essentially if you rode for exactly one hour uh, at your absolute maximum potential on the very best day you've had the best sleep you've had the best nutrition that's the average power that you should be able to achieve now you're probably thinking that's not that useful how often do you actually ride for one hour flat out probably probably not that often is my guess so the way to do to think about this is, is is a training tool okay let's get on to our two choices our two choices one we can use this as a measure of your fitness you get down to the cycling club hey up what's your ftp oh, my ftp went up last night i was on zwift oh, 275 oh, i've just nudged over the 300 whatever it might be it's become part of a dialogue in cycling culture rightly or wrongly one it's great that people are now talking about a real scientific measurement on the other side it's become a it's become a trophy and <laughs> it was never intended to become a, a trophy something that you boast about and are proud about so let's have a bit of a laugh for a second let's say that all you want to do is increase your ftp that's your only goal that number that you've just achieved you want to make it bigger now the easiest way to get that number bigger is by doing lots and lots of riding at or around that number it's what we would call sweet spot training and sweet spot training has been proven to be very effective in a short duration and for athletes on limited time and what sweet spot is is just training at about 90 percent of your ftp so just below every now and then just nudging up a little bit so the best way of doing that is actually through riding really hard on Zwift for about an hour, sometimes 45 minutes, sometimes an hour and 15, doing a Zwift race, whatever. Now, you can actually accumulate quite a lot of fatigue in all this, but if you're just on a limited amount of time, get in there, do that sort of a training. Um, you'll find after about three weeks, you'll be quite tired. Take a week of recovery, a little bit of rest. Um, do it again, you know, keep ramping up that intensity. And then so long as you go into your next test <laughs> in really really good condition ramp it down a little bit taper if you want and then eat a load of sugar like a bucket of harry bro will be absolutely fine um take some better aniline you know workout prep make sure you're well hydrated do a really good quality warm-up put on the loudest banging music you can possibly imagine and big fan and go out and smash a new FTP. I guarantee you, after about two months of training sweet spot, go into that your second FTP test, fully prepared about what to expect, high blood glucose levels, well hydrated, well warmed up, you'll you'll get a better FTP score. Congratulations, well done. There we go. <laughs> it's it's not that hard to do that. When you get out in the real world, you'll probably find that you're quite fatigued, quite tired, you probably adapted to only being capable of riding efficiently for about an hour, which means that you'll be highly glycolytic. Your body will churn through blood glucose quite quickly. You won't necessarily be very good at oxidizing fat to create energy. And if you're after a more endurance type of training, this sweet spot training isn't, isn't great. 
Um, however, if you are a you know a time trialist, fantastic. You can ride for an hour, brilliant. Um, <laughs> right, let's move on. Moving this, using your FTP as a tool is now the exciting thing. Um, and this is what I really try and get our athletes to understand, that that FTP isn't a measure. It's now a diagnostic device that you can now use. So with this lactate threshold, we can now prescribe training because what Joel Friel did was he did a lot of research and said, if we split this down into percentages, we can probably get very, very close to determining your training zones based on what's happening metabolically inside your body. And that was really important. Again, before this came along, we would be assessing that with a VO2 mask and we'll be looking for the ventilation changes, the exchange of gases. We'll be measuring that blood lactate uh, to try and get this information. But what Joel Frill did was to say at about 70% of your FTP, you're probably training aerobically, i.e. there's not much accumulation of lactate acid. Your body can produce enough energy from the oxygen that's going through your body. Once you step up above about 70%, you're now using the hybrid approach. Your anaerobic system um, is starting to back up and support. Once you hit your aerobic, your anaerobic threshold, your FTP score, you're now on a, a downward slope. You're effectively only going to be able to hold that for an hour if you're completely fresh from start. If you've already been riding a few hours, then there's no way you're going to be able to do that. And then once you go above that, we can then start going, well, about 120% of your FTP is very close to your VO2 max. Um, and then we can ramp it up from there. So we can fairly accurately get some good training zones. Now, I said earlier that as more and more athletes have gone through the system with us, we are finding more and more athletes deviate from that normal model. So it is still worth having a proper VO2 test. We'll come to that in another, another podcast, I think. But with this in mind, we can now think about, okay, we can split our training up into very easy training, moderate training, hard training, and really hard training, which is great. The other thing that we can do with this is now establish your um, accumulated training stress. Now, if you use a piece of software like Training Peaks uh, or Trainer Road, you might have come across the TSS, the Training Stress Score. And this is important because we can take your FTP number and then assign a stress score to it. And accumulating training stress gives you or your coach the ability to see how much training load you are taking on. And this is important because, as you know, if you train nonstop, you get very tired very quickly and your body fails to adapt. So it's very important in creating a sustainable training plan that enables you to go faster long term and make those sustainable gains is by keeping a track on a steady, sustainable training load. Now, training stress comes from essentially if you rode at your FTP for exactly one hour, your training stress score would come out at 100 points. Now, if you rode around 70 percent of your FTP for an hour, the i.e. your aerobic, you'll probably find that that comes out at around 50 per hour. But because it's really easy, you can maintain that for several hours. So an endurance ride might accumulate 50 TSS points per hour, but you could be riding for four, five, six hours, 
quite happily at that. So the training stress in that long ride is still accounted for um, over the shorter ride. Likewise, when you're training really, really hard and you want to do those really short, hard, powerful intervals that may be only 30 to 40 minute training session, you can be looking at very, very high training stress scores in very short length of time. The other thing we can do is look at something called the intensity factor. And this works on a scale of zero to one or zero to 100, depending on what software you're using. But it essentially takes a percentage and tells us how hard that workout was relative to your maximum potential. So you could ride at your FTP for one hour and score 100%. It'd be really horrible. I definitely don't recommend you do that. But it now gives us as a coach to say, how hard was that ride? So on again, on an easy endurance ride, you'll be looking at a low number, uh, let, let's say an intensity factor of around six, um, 60%. On a really hard, absolute all out effort, best effort race, that intensity factor might be more like 92% or 0.92, depending on what software you're using. So with these two bits of information we've now got a really clear insight as to the effort that you put into a ride or workout and the accumulated training stress week on week on week on week so we can start giving it points and then we can make sure that the ramp rate isn't getting out of control the ramp rate of course is how much training load you're taking on and this is really important this is where probably Zwift is a little bit behind in its tech now, Zwift is great, it'll do some workouts, but those workouts are literally just programmed to have progressive overload week on week. They don't take into account what you might be doing outside, what you might be doing in the gym, and you definitely should be using the gym, whether you're playing football or anything like that. It doesn't take that into account. It only takes into account what you're doing on Zwift. So it's fairly limiting in that respect, whereas software like Training Peaks uh, and Excerpt will now start to keep a track on this training load and you can kind of see when you're accumulating too much. Now, an athlete that's really attuned to their body will recognize these red flags. But when you're just getting started, the adrenaline, the excitement can, can cloud your judgment when it comes to accumulating training stress and recognizing the need for taking a week of adaptation. And that's the important thing you your body actually adapts in that rest phase. That's when you just let everything repair and you know um, and adapt to the training load that you've given it, and then start the progressive overload again. Now, if that all sounds pretty complicated, it can it can get that way. The important thing now is just to think about have that in the back of your mind. Are you overtraining? What signs and symptoms are there? How can I monitor it? The next stage is once you've tried uh, this sort of approach for a while is to then start tracking it in something like training peaks. As a general rule, if you're just trying to go, come on, Paul, give me just some quick tips. What do you suggest? I would suggest polarizing your training as best as you possibly can. And the rule for that is about 80% of your training should be really, really easy, which things like Zwift and Riding Outdoors is excellent at. And if you haven't got a power meter on your bike and you're only on Zwift, just go for a ride on sand and sequoias. That's something really, really flat. And just practicing riding under 70% of your FTP 
it's going to feel really easy. You should be able to maintain a steady conversation the whole time you're riding. It is really, really easy. Um, and that's important because what that's doing is it's making your aerobic system have a little bit of stress and therefore adapt to the training load. But the problem is when you just go a little bit harder, you then introduce a little bit of support from your anaerobic system. And as a result, your aerobic system has a bit of a break um, and you end up becoming um, quite reliant on blood glucose. You've got to replenish that blood glucose because your aerobic system can't do it all. So training, very, very easy for a long duration. Is It works. I promise you it's well documented. Just Google it. On the other side of that, we try and miss out this tempo sweet spot. Annoyingly, it's the bit that we find fun when we go riding, which is which is really, really frustrating because when you go riding with the club or you go to a race, you're probably riding in this tempo sweet spot area where you're between about 80 and 90% of your FTP. The adrenaline gets going, the endorphins get going. We're a little bit out of breath. It feels like we're having a good workout. Um, and you are if you've only got a limited short of time, but you also accumulate quite a lot of training stress here. So in terms of making sizable gains, um, you actually sort of take two steps forward, one step back is the kind of approach to it. You know, maybe worse than that even. So if you can try and avoid training in that zone as much as possible and then skip right to the other scale and take on very, very hard training um, where you can really overload, um, but in a short space of time and allow plenty of recovery, ultimately when you combine those 80-20, when you do go out, riding with your mates and you want to perform really well or you enter a race and you do want to ride at tempo sweet spot you will have all the tools you need to perform because what that hard training does when you're rested is it allows you to really really go hard it allows you to really hit those high numbers to really stamp on those pedals to really hit those maximum heart rates just get everything fired up that cardiopulmonary system absolutely firing and your body will adapt to that force production on the pedals raw power combine that with the energy being created from your aerobic system in a much more efficient way that's come from all your base training put those two together in the middle where they clash you will be strong powerful in that race ready full of endorphins full of adrenaline state ready to go so that is, in a very, very quick podcast, what you should look into. When you've got your first FTP score, just don't, 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 don't go, I want a higher FTP. We hear it all the time. People come to us, what are you training for? Oh, I just want a higher FTP, right? Just not interested, pointless. FTP is a tool. What you want to be doing is saying, I want to go faster. I want to go further. I want to be better. You know, I want to get up that hill faster. Because speed, speed is the ultimate metric. It doesn't matter how much power it took you to get there. If you're faster, you're faster. And that's what counts. All right. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll see you on the next one.